believe this. Or not. Hey, Patty. Hey, Chris. Can you believe the documentary on Hulu, the one that we interviewed members of last week, has hit number one on the Hulu viewing list? Wow. And we've hit an all-time listener uh, ship. Yeah, let's not 50, brag about that number. No, it's not that. It's not bragging. 50 listens on one podcast. That's not that's not a bragging episode. Point, one episode. Patty, you're embarrassing. <laughs> Those are bragging rights. I'm sorry. No, no, Patty. It's embarrassing. <laughs> no, no, no. Remember, we're a new podcast, by the way. Oh my God. Thank thank you to the members of the McCamey Manor um documentary yes. Monster Inside for being on the show last week. I did have a chance. Speaking of last week, go ahead. And all the advocates of the yes. you know closing down the McCamey Manor haunt. Looking back at last week, I remember saying that I was watching these videos that Russ sent me directly of Melissa's exit interview. It looked like it was a couple of days later, and she was answering all these questions like, yeah, he wouldn't do anything to hurt me. He wouldn't do any of these things. Um, I've seen evidence. I can't really get into it. Well, I probably could. They probably don't care, but I'm not going to get into the details of it. I saw evidence that Russ asked her to make that video. It was her second exit interview for the same experience. But the first one was too short, so he asked her to do it again as a favor. I've seen evidence that he asked her this, and I've seen that he gives a a list of questions pre-written out by him, which asks the questions, were you hurt? Did you enjoy your experience? Did anything inappropriate happen? So it was just a perfect list, and he asked her to get dolled up and look pretty to drive the people wild on the video when she does her exit interview. It's craziness. Just yeah, to clarify it's that. called marketing. That's not just part of it. For marketing. him, that's what he's doing. Yeah. You know? yeah, he's trying to make sure people I'm not believe. saying that that uh, Melissa. Yeah, I think it's a safety a safety uh, latch to make Ew. sure that if it ever comes back on them, look, I have you saying this. I have you saying ah. this. Well. But that was last week. Moving on. And uh, moving on to this week where we have a new Speaker of the House. Oh, my God. We do have a new Speaker after much deliberation, after much controversy, after much discomfort and embarrassment. Well, to at the least GOP. it wasn't 15 times. Wasn't that uh, how long it well, took to elect the previous Speaker? Well, to it's his credit, three. which is it's it's it's, it's the few times I'll <laughs> give any credit to Jim Jordan for anything. He saw the writing on the wall. This was going to be a pretty humiliating, uh, just dead stop, not go anywhere. Um, so you get Mike Johnson is his name, right? Couldn't no one's ever heard of this guy, right? Nobody knows who he is. And no, you think not? Neither do I. So we're think, all in the same position, America. We're going to talk <laughs> about somebody that nobody knows. Anything about well, except getting, the fact that he's anti-everything except the Bible, right. apparently. We're getting to know him a little <laughs> bit better. Um, so so you figure it's not Steve Scalise, it's not Jim Jordan, it's not Patrick McHenry, it's not... It's not I don't know who any of those people are either. They're all people who are problematic. <laughs> it's the whole entire GOP house, which, which, which I'll get into in a second. So Mike Johnson comes up and they ask him his view on politics. He says, pick up any Bible and you'll see my worldview. Yes. This is problematic. Problematic. Uh, Especially because, when he uses the Bible verses out of context, yeah. out of context to support his position on things. 
on everything. So he's going to try. Um, well, I this is just this is what people speculate based on just knowing who this guy is. We're looking at at him looking at uh at at, at same sex couples. He's going to attack that. Um, he's all for all the bans on abortion. Abortion yes. can't happen like, no matter what. Like statewide bans, not like a, sorry nationwide bans, not just state by state. So I worry. So so maybe maybe since it's only a short term speakership, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the next election if the house will flip. But we're looking at a situation where uh, you see it everywhere in our politics, especially on the right, and that is where religion is the dominant force in policy making, not just everyday life. Not it's just about religion. Actual policy, like po- that affects everyone. It's policy that's driven by a very uh, specific conservative sector of specific religious set of beliefs i'm not anti-religion i'm not atheist but i also think the bible is a little bit tricky especially since there's like a million versions of it i'm exaggerating but there's a lot of versions of what happened or what what allegedly happened in the bible and with all these versions out there the part of what makes america what it is is that we uh, recognize and acknowledge that there's other religions so if you look across you look at Palestine and Israel, you look at that. That's a real, you know, we talk about land and stuff, but that's a religious based war. Yes. What Al Qaeda and ISIS did, ISIS was murdering babies too and taking heads off because the families in those houses didn't believe in the same thing that ISIS did. And we're, we're not, we don't have Republicans in the house or in the, in this country beheading babies or like asking people to behead babies to show their force and and their beliefs. But you got to recognize the flags that were heading in an extremist direction. That's very frightening, which really frightening. And I don't want to, I know people are going to look at this uncomfortably from the right and they're going to be really, they're going to feel like I'm being really hyperbolic, but this is how those terrorist groups begin with this kind of extremism. It, It can't be, anything but what their bible says but he did say that all of his like uh anti same sex anti you know uh, he's he was uh, instrumental in uh writing the that don't say gay bill like a yep. nationwide version of it oh, and that's the easy, that's the light stuff mhm but he said he's not going to address any of those issues until we first deal with in order his his a priority order israel ukraine china iran the economy the border issue and fentanyl after we deal with all of that then he's going to make sure that same sex is illegal that a critical theory um uh, thinking is uh, not abandoned in schools. Um, and what else? Um, oh, and the nationwide abortion on a uh, nationwide ban on abortion, which he was like one of the presidents of the affiliation that actually overturned road v- versus Wade. So this guy has, he's a lawyer, you know, so yeah. he knows how to use the law 
to support his uh, very hyper-religious thinking, which is He also, a lot of people didn't know this, Patty, and a lot of people still don't know this, but he was involved in coming up with a rationality for overturning the election in 2020. Hmm. He's not like indicted. Well, he's a Trump supporter, right? Yeah, I mean, so this is something I talk about, and this is going to rub a lot of Republicans and people in the right the wrong way. I'm not trying to attack you guys. This we is reality. Are, this is a um, uh, what's that call, called when you have a, a warning, a uh, sensitivity Uh-oh. warning. This is a G- <laughs> GOP right PSA right service announcement warning. We will be talking a lot. This will be of very stuff. sensitive information for you. Um, <laughs> for it. the a lot of people who vote Republican don't believe or understand. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make you sound like I think you're stupid, but you don't believe or understand that the people in the Congress are as bad as Trump or in, in, a, in a Trump way of thinking. They are. They are. And this is why there was such a hard time picking a, a speaker in the majority party of the House because they're all so extreme. You can't trust so he's, them. He's in in terms of extreme. Where does he fall? Is he like middle of the road extreme or extreme extreme or or like less? He extreme? might be. He might be one of the more dangerous ones because he's quiet about it. We didn't know who he mm. was until we got the speaker. He, yeah, he even wants to do away with like food stamps and the SNAP program. He wants. He's all about cutting. Spending, everything right cutting the budget cutting spending if you want to spend money on israel how are we going to cut the budget which i don't i don't mind that you know the fact that he wants to make sure that we have checks and balances it's when he's starting use to use his religion and his um very specific way of thinking to indoctrinate the rest of the country that's what i have a problem with yeah, it's it's a bit it's a big issue. I um <laughs> I I think it's dangerous is, is is all I can really say. I think it's dangerous. And we're we're looking at a thing where if we don't smarten up, we're we're gonna be stuck. There are people who vote for these these folks who again, like I said, don't realize how bad they are until it's too late until it's too late because most of the people you see on tv being interviewed at trump rallies and people who vote for trump and argue with you online or, or try to argue with you online most we're of not people, judging you we're just they don't, uh, they don't benefit they don't benefit from republican policies the the only people who benefit from the republican policies and the things they've done in the last six eight years are people who are already wealthy that don't want to be overtaxed that's the whole thing that's the whole thing so it's a it's a a kind of a tactic to get people that are more conservative that have more conservative beliefs on abortion and like transgender um you know assignments and yep. there's a lot of people like who think that. this is going to backfire this is going to be bad for a republican party that mike johnson got named if any of them got named speaker it was going to be bad i think would you look forward to um people who just want money and power. And when you talk about money and power, where does a lot of that money come from? Something that's been bugging, bugging me and Patty for the last, since we started this podcast and before that we want to talk about today. And that was NRA money. 
Hello. I mean, a lot of the, you're right, a lot of these very right-wing extreme politicians are all backed by the NRA. That's why Mike Johnson doesn't want, he doesn't think that we need to restrict any kind of gun laws at all. No gun laws. I mean, he... He's more afraid of a child getting instruction on how to transgender than giving a teenager an automatic rifle. I mean, how is how is that equate? You know, how is someone's sexual preference more dangerous than a guy who can buy a gun who's who who was documented as being mentally ill? Right. We're talking about. um, Yeah. Robert Card, yeah. who 10 days before he bought this um, rifle, which was a semi a high-powered high Ruger SFAR chambered HP .308 ammo, right? Which is a long-distance shooting gun. This is what he shot people with. Yeah, he wasn't in a long the, distance. In yeah. the head. So the fact that they can't even, they couldn't even identify a lot of the victims because he blew their freaking heads off with a, a long distance rifle that that SWAT, it's stronger than the guns that SWAT uses because he was in the military. He told the people when he went in for this mental health checks, he was in the army. He told them he hears voices and that he wanted to hurt other soldiers. And what did they recommend? That he go seek counseling. I mean, that was the first red flag right there. Well, that should be the end of his ability to own any weaponry. That should be a huge problem. Uh, They already had documentation that he bought this high-powered rifle, right? Shouldn't they have taken that gun away from him? Any, Any... Any access he had to guns should have been gone away. And any laws to come up to protect us from uh, illegal sales of guns or guns to sales to people who don't deserve them or shouldn't have them should affect gun shows. Because gun shows are pretty much the the epicenter of illegal gun sales or, or even legal gun sales because we don't have the right restrictions on them. He got his guns legally as, a, as, as somebody with mental issues. That's the problem. Isn't that scary? He also purchased in that same purchase on that same day a Beretta 92F99 a 9mm semi-automatic which they found in his car so instead of using the semi-automatic he used the the high powered rifle i mean that's just horrifying all these all these families they should be marching on on city in city hall. They should be calling Mike Johnson. They should be writing letters to their congressman. This is a BS. When we had information that this guy was mentally unstable, shouldn't even be able to happen. And he had a he had access to these kind of this kind of weapon weaponry. In one of the first places he went was a bowling alley where there was a youth bowling event uh, happening i i am so blown away by the amount of people when you look at even when you look at war in the middle east when you look at uh, uh, terrorist groups when you look at people who are domestic terrorists here at home the way they target first and foremost children is just it, it's crushing uh, that that they did they, so many have died the leading cause of death in children in this country is guns 
We yes. have 365 days in a year and already here on October, in October, it is 565. Probably by the time this airs, there'll probably be 10 or 20 more mass shootings in this country. Something's wrong. Something needs to be done. Something has to give. Why aren't, why isn't anybody doing anything? I mean, Biden's like, oh, we're going to, we need more stronger legislation. We need this. We need that. But nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. Well, I mean, Congress needs to pass that bill and we have a, we have a a non-functional Congress. If you look at their arguments are so nonsensical. Well, I'm not going to, this is Lauren Berber. I'm not going to listen to anybody who's so foolish. They don't know that AR and AR-15 doesn't stand for assault rifle. No, Bobert. We know it stands for Armalite, the original manufacturer of the guns. They're still assault rifles. They're still murdering people. It hasn't stopped. Fuck that and fuck her. So why, why, why do they even, why do those kind of guns even are even available to people? I mean, should you need those kind of guns to go hunting? Honestly, that would devour their prey. Um, If you're defending, I always say this all the time. If you need an AR-15 to protect you in your small apartment, you're too bad (laughs) a shot to have an assault rifle. (laughs) That's the bottom line. And if you think you're going to defend your home, against the government moving in on your on your family moving in on your town the government's overpowered and wants to murder its citizens sorry buddy you by yourself with your ar-15 you're not gonna win anyway if you fight back you're done it's just you know we we can't even uh iterate enough how important gun laws and gun restrictions have to come to the forefront in America, in the United States. When you have 566 mass shootings in a year, and we're not even at war, we're in an internal war with ourselves. We're in an internal war with mental health, because a lot of these shootings are attributed to mental health. We're not taking care of our citizens. We're not taking care of our people. I I don't, what, what does it take for politicians to start fighting for stricter gun laws? I mean, how many deaths does it take? And too many people get wrapped up in that mental health versus gun laws. I think they're both important and not mutually exclusive. I'm tired of people arguing one way or the other. And also no one's saying take all the guns away. That's, that's that's not a very common argument, but that's what the extreme uh, argument is when people say that and they hear that and they go, oh my God, oh my God, take all the guns away. You y'all can't, these guys are going to take all the guns. No, we want people to live long, full, healthy lives and not have it cut short. I dropped my daughter off at school. I dropped my daughter off at school and I don't know if I said enough that she knows I love her before that might be the last time I see her. And that's a worry and a fear of mine that's already been realized by thousands of parents in this country this year alone. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It has to stop. If that is not horrifying in on this, you know, three days before Halloween, it's it. That should be like the scariest thing. That's the united states is facing right now facing right now is the can't even keep our citizens safe from each other 
you know, we're fighting uh, internal wars of ideology and religion. I mean, Mike Johnson, he wants people to pray in school, right? Okay. Why don't, if I don't mind if you want to say a, you know, a say a prayer, have a moment of silence, the people that want to participate, they participate, the people that don't, they don't. But how about, how about, you know, forming or impressing upon community with children, because these children are terrified to go to school because their own citizens, the ones that are the politicians that are making them pray in school are not even keeping them safe. So they have to basically pray that they don't get shot in school. Do you see the irony in that? Yeah. My, my daughter thinks it's weird that I never had gun, uh, gun drills in school. She thinks it's weird. That's normal. Spooky. Now. <laughs> Speaking it's scary of spooky, that, that. let's get, let's light it up since Halloween's here. Ooh. We made our statement on guns. We know that's where we stand. Somebody, uh, yes. If you have an argument, against we know. Us, we can hear about it and talk to you about it. But uh, go go ahead. I'm sorry. So we're gonna lighten this topic up a little bit and end with mm, 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 mm. scary our movies. Favorite, yes, our favorite scary movies. Matt came in um, alert and- early and he left. Is he coming back? He's coming back. I'm telling him. So we have a surprise guest, my uh, partner in crime, Matteo Rabato, filmmaker, um, director, writer. Where are you? There he is. He's coming. <laughs> oh, Mr. Matteo, welcome. Welcome, Matteo. Hi, honey. Uh, he's wearing his sunglasses, but nobody can see you. But he's, you he's like cool. in director <laughs> mode, right? He's like, I'm, I'm the badass, cool director. You know, <laughs> you're like a badass. Cool, Might have to come down to Florida to teach you some manners. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Oh yes. So, so we're lightening up the topic. November 7th on Voodoo exclusive. What? Yes. Beyond Paranormal. Director's Cut. Can you guys read that? It's, it's, oh, mine uh, is it's backwards. backwards. It's backwards for you guys? You gotta hit the mirror. Oh, yeah. I, I did that before and I'll, I'll do it again. All right. You might have did what I did last week and you might have reversed it yourself thinking it looked wrong and then you just made it always backwards. Yeah, I gotta open up the settings. So that, That's so all right. Nobody can fun. see it, but but us, but us so. yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're the only ones. I, th- I thought you guys were recording, so I wore my best clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, those are your best clothes. <laughs> so these are my most are his best clothes. clothes. He's there wearing sunglasses indoors, by the way. Uh, so, Chris, why don't we start with you? What's your all-time favorite, scariest Halloween movie, and why? We might have to explain these because it's not the scariest oh movie, but this is why it's the scariest Halloween movie for me. Um, and that's going to be the original Halloween, Michael Myers. Oh, that's a classic. You have a crush on the leading lady? Jamie Lee Curtis? No, not really. No, never. I mean, I like her. She's a great actress and all. I just don't I don't have a crush. No. I have, oh, I have a crush on the pale face masked man. No. The... Uh, <laughs> The the way that movie was was a classic style of slow pace, intensity, anticipation. There was a little bit of gore. But it was just it was just a great mix of of where horror was heading and where it was, 
And it was something that we didn't know we missed until we got like the new Halloween movies and before they went bad again too. But that was the thing. That was a, I think that's one of the best Halloween movies ever. You can't beat Halloween or can you? I love that wow. they used um, uh, Captain Kirk image for the math. <laughs> yes. Now uh, that's that was a happy accident, right? Because yes. they couldn't find the um, prop master, couldn't find a spooky mask, so they were like, "Here, I found this Captain Kirk mask. Let's Captain use this." Kirk and how I out, right? Oh, was uh, it turned inside? And how no, iconic no. that image was, became, he just right? It got rid oh, of the really? Color. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my favorite Halloween movie is. None other than Stanley Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, because anywhere you are, you could be doing anything in the world. The minute you hear you hear the beginning of that score, that beautiful score, and you're you know what movie you're watching. The Shining, the way that tension was built, the way the isolation was used as a character, right? The characters. Yes, exactly. Uh, Who doesn't know? I appreciate it. That psychology and all of the red herrings in the movie with the the number of the, you know, the room and the all the little like um, Easter eggs that are in the movie. If you've ever watched the making of uh, The Shining. The other thing that I found super interesting was that when we were were looking up who who wrote the score for The Shining, because I thought it was like some like somebody famous that we've all heard of, but it, it's it's a woman named Wendy Carlos, who's actually a transgender. He started off as a she started off as a man. Interesting, isn't that interesting? Even in that time period, to have someone like, you know, so um, progressive. She, she also did the, um, the score for Clockwork Orange and Tron and Ready Player One. Wow. Yeah, she was an innovator and synthesized in electronic music, was born as Walter Carlos and then changed her name to Wendy Carlos in um, 1979. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I love that movie. I, I have to watch it every year. I really? love Shelley Duvall's performance. Yeah, we watch it every year. We Sometimes we play it while we're giving out candy. I, I love to... I just love the uh, whole isolation, the way that whole Indian uh, mm. theme of the hotel. They, uh, if you go uh, to uh, what was that, um, the camping trip that we took to Yosemite. There's a hotel in on the land in Yosemite that you could stay at. That the hotel from The Shining was based off is off of with a lot of Native American. Um, like uh culture and uh is it supposed image. to be haunted uh i don't know if that hotel in particular is supposed to be haunted okay. but it it was used as a you know uh, a uh, reference for the hotel in the movie so mateo Rabato, filmmaker extraordinaire what's your favorite halloween movie well it it's uh i think it's a twofold 
um, because one of them isn't really considered a Halloween movie, but scared the hell out of me. Um, when I was younger, we used to go to the drive-in movie theater and have to hide, you know, so that there was only a limited amount of people in the, in the car. And it was <laughs> so you only had to pay for like a few people. <laughs> yeah. That's and, so uh, and I remember going to see Jaws in the drive-in and that is not a Halloween movie. Well, hang on a second. It created such a fear and horror in many people that to this day, just swimming in the open ocean or body of water, those those memories come screaming back, and you're like, somehow, some way, there's a shark in this water and it's gonna eat me. Well, well nowadays it happens a lot. It has just stayed with me forever <laughs> as men as and so many other people uh, that I ever talked to about it, they they agree. Um, but as far as Halloween goes, another movie that I shouldn't have seen at a young age, which was The Exorcist, the original Exorcist, and oh, with the spinning I, head I and the vomiting. I can't watch it ever again because <laughs> I still have nightmares. Or really. Oh, you just lying in the bed and lie and 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 all of a sudden you think your body's going to start reverberating and you know being possessed <laughs> and spinning and your head starts spinning nah nah only you know only when uh, i get to I, make movies my i agree that exorcist is one of the scariest movies i've ever seen it's the only one that really bothers me a little bit when i'm watching it it's disturbing for me like absolutely that's possession oriented or devil oriented kind of yes yeah we're like yes movies I, and stuff like that you kind of know or uh, yeah i mean the fact that um that the vatican and catholicism and a lot of religions embrace uh possession as real that's terrifying to me that it could happen to anybody you know that you can invite evil into your being into your soul so any kind of movie that has that kind of premise is always very frightening in my eyes so that's a good one i i um it's funny you bring inviting evil things into your home uh oh. that was kind of the precipice Segway. of my <laughs> that is coming out uh it's actually a director's cut we had released it a couple years ago and it it was kind of an off time with the pandemic and everything else. And a lot of the fans and the, the, the film critics and stuff had their opinions and made me really take a, a good look back at my movie. And I, I'm re-releasing it in a uh, director's cut, not your traditional director's cut where it's like a longer film and scenes that you've never seen before. But I think a almost a fan cut in a way that I, I tried to listen to everybody and make things better you know uh, as a filmmaker you're, you're always learning a- along the way and I think that a lot of people are going to like this recut and uh, it's about a couple that brings a- an evil object into their house and craziness happens and one of the lines in the movie is uh, uh, don't bring evil shit into the house because those things attached to 
uh, you. And that was a real life statement because Patricia Ray, uh, my love. That would be, that would be me. <laughs> she was preparing for a horror movie and she was playing a medium and she was doing all this crazy stuff, bringing all this nonsense into the house. And me being like the Ichabod Crane type of person, I'm like, don't start bringing crazy shit into the house because that shit attaches to us. And that led me down the road to writing this, this Interesting. story about this couple. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, for our listeners, can you please tell us the name of the film and where we're going to be able to see it? Yes. It's called Beyond Paranormal, The Director's Cut. And I, we're we're very lucky that Voodoo has picked us up as an exclusive uh, oh. for the month of November, and November seventh it's released, and then come December it's going to open up wide on all the other streaming sites. And as an independent filmmaker, uh, please take a look and rent it and support independent film because. We really try hard to be creative out there and we don't always have all the resources that, you know, the big money people do and corporate studio venture big studios that are screwing us right now. Well, yeah, that, that may be true, but you know, uh, a lot of the industry is revolves around those studios and as independents, it makes it very difficult for us to make content. So if you don't like the movie, Okay, great. But try not to trash us too much because we're just trying to be creative. <laughs> and uh, we really don't have all the bells and whistles. It doesn't mean we, we, we don't strive to be great, but we don't get test audiences. We don't get to put the movie through uh, a rigorous you know, filtering system. And I just want to let you know that I do hear you and I, I try to do better for you guys. And I hope that you enjoy this one. And we do have movies coming out soon uh, in the future. And uh, you guys make it all happen. So thank you. That's awesome. Can, can I just say, I've seen the movie, the original movie. Uh, you're both in it, right? I think you're in it, Mateo. Uh, I'm not no. really in it. I'm, I'm the director. Uh, yeah, I'm not in this. I thought, that was you, I thought that was you playing the director in the movie. No, no, no. That's I thought it was, Oliver I thought it was Matt. That's Oliver, <laughs> it's Oliver Cooper. Cooper. Oliver Cooper. Oliver okay. Cooper's great in this movie too. He he he's uh he's quite the talent. I hope to see more of him in the business. I just want to mm-hmm. say because it, it does drive me. You are in the movie, and, and this is part of my point: is, is is you being in the movie. Um, people, it drives me crazy how people look at independent film because. I've gotten to know a lot of people in independent film over the years and they're really hard workers and you do really good stuff. And if you don't take the time to get through the movie, you don't understand what you're seeing. Um, I will say that maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but making independent film, you kind of got to be a little bit more creative to make it more interesting to drag people in and keep them interested and, and get them to say, talk about your film. I, I would say as independent filmmakers or writers or just you know being creative in the independent world we have to be perfect otherwise we're Mm going to get missed out there's plenty of bad big production movies that are out there that everyone gets to see because of you know their their campaigns behind the machine the machine exactly 
And for us, we, we got to be spot on. I, I, it, it's crazy how perfect we have to try and be just to even get the our products to the agents and the managers and everything else. It's got to be larger than life material for them to even even blink at it. Um, you know, w- with this movie, uh, it, it, it's crazy because sometimes you might edit something out of the movie, but you've paid thousands of dollars, you know, to, to put shoot it, in it movie you know, and to you put don't want to put it on the floor. And that's kind yeah. of a lesson to learn. It's like, ah, you know what? Sometimes you got to kill your darlings, even if they cost you money. Yeah. And yeah. Studios, and I, they could do it with no problem. But yeah. us, it's just like, oh. You know, I, I just want people to know. I, I don't know what the edited version is going to look like. What you're changing about it, but I imagine the, the the core of the movie is the same. I want people to know you're going to see this movie, and you're going to see, oh, this is definitely an independent film, and you might not like the characters, and you might not like what you're seeing. Get halfway through the movie, it changes drastically. I was telling my brother, I was like, I want to write a review and help my friend out on this, but I don't know what I think of this. And then I got to the halfway point and I'm like, oh, I knew that this one person was probably a better actor than they looked like they were. <laughs> and you'll, you'll see why. There's a reason why it looks like it does in the first half of the film. Well, yeah, so- it, that's, I think, also an issue with today's uh, viewers is that they don't really have a, a great attention span. Right. And no. they give something five, 10 minutes and they don't give a movie a chance. And with the recut, I tried to grab my audience faster and mm-hmm. and keep them engaged from, you know, the jump. Um, but in hindsight, it's just so much more clear than it was when I saw it the first time. I'm like, I'm like if people will give it a chance, you didn't, you didn't need to change anything, really. Exactly. Yeah. But it is a much better movie. Um, it, the, the film is just really like laser focused now, you know, like he really cut all the fat out of it and uh, really focused like on moving the tension and the horror and the the motivation of the characters. I think that you did a great job and Kudos to you for embracing, you know, your learning curve because we always learn from every project. So I can't wait to see it. Yeah. So on Voodoo, November what? Uh, I believe November 7th, we're having the exclusive with Voodoo. And then in December, it will go everywhere. Uh, Amazon, iTunes. That's awesome. um, Google Play. Uh, YouTube, I think YouTube's Google Play or something, uh, something like that. They're really, yeah, out. yeah, and uh, yeah. So, uh, please, starring be moi. I'm not the lead, but I have a really great role in it. I play a <laughs> she plays a, a great clairvoyant kind of. I want to talk about it, but I don't. <laughs> I don't want to give away. We'll talk about it when that when it comes out. But we should probably wrap this up because this. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, I, I applaud you guys in your journey. And uh, thank you, Matt. Everyone out there, believe this: these two know what they're talking about, and when they don't, they <laughs> raz each other left and right. So it's and when we don't, we own up podcast. to it. <laughs> we do. We do own often. We often own up to things. 
All right, folks. This is Patricia Ray, actress, um, podcaster, painter, producer. You're talking about yourself, Miller Extraordinaire. Yes, I am signing out. And I was here (laughs) too. And Matt, our guest star. (laughs) Thanks, folks. See you. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Believe this 23 on Twitter. BT Pod for you on Gmail. 